Good day to you. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Very glad to have you along. Before I go into what I want to talk about today, I did want to mention, um, I think that this will be the 100th podcast episode. Um, We're somewhere around there. It might be 101, depending on some backlogs I've got of other recordings to make it online. Um, I, I had mentioned maybe 30 days ago that it looked like the trajectory of timing was going to be at my 100th episode, I was probably going to hit a 1,000 downloads. And I was excited about that. I'm just grateful that people have listened to what the Lord is speaking through me and to to me and my family here Um, and just what's transpired this calendar year. But what happened is, um, and and I posted something about this just as far as like, because everybody I know has different platforms of how they listen to things, how they, I mean, I don't claim to know hardly anything about platforms, period, other than in general what they are. And so um, my wife has been working on getting them posted somehow connected with iTunes and Google Play. And as soon as she did that, I had hundreds of downloads within 24 hours. And so it kind of blew my preparation of, of, of this, this big crescendo of 100 episodes, 1,000 downloads. <laughs> and I was like kind of stoked about like that landmark, I guess. And I hadn't checked my stats for days, maybe even a week or so, and, and Kristen logged in to do something because she's being a, a huge help to me and just getting it out there. And she said, you've got like, I don't know, I don't remember how many, you've got like 40 downloads in New York or something like that. I don't, like, within a couple of days. And so my numbers have like increased and it's just kind of strange. It, it, it's very challenging to me to make sure that what I'm saying is in fact what I'm sure the Lord is speaking to me in this hour in like that what I would say to the best of my ability now, I know I'm full of flaws and error and will make mistakes and misquote scriptures and, you know, get things wrong, but still make the effort through prayer and through submitting what I feel the Lord is saying into at least somewhat of a process of of allowing the Lord to purify what I'm hearing or how I would hear it. And so it's just really encouraging and rightfully challenging that like, I don't know. I mean, what an awesome thing if any one of us could say anything to anyone and be a vehicle used in any way that we might be vessels to help anyone on the earth to find the purpose of humanity, to worship God, to glorify Him, to join into whatever the Spirit is saying in this hour and like endeavoring together, even in just a shared, weird, mysterious, internet-connected world, sharing in any way, in any measure, about going towards the culmination of the ages. And like that really, that really excites me. That's, that's just really awesome to me. Um, I wanted to talk today about, I want to make this 
the next installment of the power of preparation. Now, I will admittedly, this is maybe kind of cramming something outside of that exactly into the form and context of preparation. I will admit that from the very beginning. That, that's, that's pretty true. But this is what's stirring in me today. And so I like to give myself to what I feel the Spirit is saying in the moment, in the hour, and kind of go with that. And like, because to me, for me, and whenever I, I listen to anyone else who speaks from that place of like the now conviction or the now revelation or the now knowledge of what God is speaking to us, man, y'all, there's so much more in that than any predetermined, um, prepared message or teaching or anything that we might even say for that matter. And so like, may that even speak to us about the power of preparation. Okay, so like I have prepared the next installment of the series. I'm ready to talk about that. But this morning, in my preparation of my spirit, in my time of prayer this morning, in my time in my basement before sunrise, asking the Lord what is for today, this is what's stirring in me. And so like for me, the preparation has got to be in the now moment, I have prepared a message to record today, but in my preparation of hearing what the Lord is saying today, I feel like something else has risen to the surface, if you will, for this present moment. And so I want to share that. And, and again, well, I don't want to have to make it squeeze into the preparation context and force it in there, but whatever the case, I feel like it's going to land there. Maybe the Lord will unveil something even in the midst of the recording. Mark chapter 2. When Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was in a house. Some versions say he was at home. Some say he was in a house. He's in a house in Capernaum. That's really all we know. I've not found anything that tells us whose house specifically or like any, anything that we would need to know about the specifics of the house. He's just in a house. He's in a dwelling. Many people were gathered together, so many that there was no more room, not even at the door. And Jesus was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they lay down the bed, let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, and Jesus knew this. Why does this man speak like that, they ask. He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And we're just told this is kind of the, this is what was in their heart. This was what they were thinking. This is what they were questioning in their hearts, okay? And Jesus read them like an open book. 
And immediately Yeshua, perceiving in his spirit that they were questioning within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately. He picked up his bed, and he went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God. And they said, we have never seen anything like this. And so... Now I've got to start driving, so I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to be attentive. So this, I mean, le- what I like to do, and, and if you listen to this with any kind of regularity ever, I like to talk about and think about the inserting ourselves into the scenario of the Scriptures. What is this recording there for? What, at, what happened whether this was seen firsthand, whether this was, you know, somebody sat down, you know, Mark interviewed someone who was there, and like, this is what happened. And so, again, we're not told that many circumstances about it specifically, other than Jesus came into town, he went into a house. And as always is the case, in most cases, pretty much predictable every time, Jesus is attacked by a throng of people. A mob of people show up to see Jesus. And so he's teaching. He's teaching the Word. He's teaching the Word. Okay, so let's just start there for one second. What, okay, again, inserting ourselves into the text now, not just reading it like a story. May we not read the eternal scriptures like fiction or even just historical text that is simply factual. So, let's imagine Jesus surrounded by people, so much so, the house is full all the way to the door. The way the text is worded, it sounds like you can't even get the door open because it's so packed with people. And he's teaching them the word. Y'all, what do you think he was saying? What do you think Yeshua Messiah was teaching that crowd that had gathered shoulder to shoulder in that house? I wonder what he was saying. Was he reading Isaiah? Some of the prophecies of things he himself would fulfill? Was he reading Ezekiel? Was he talking about, I don't know, the circumstances in the Garden of Eden? Was he talking about things he would fulfill in moments that were before him on the earth, teaching in parables or in riddles? I wonder what he was saying. I wonder what it was he was teaching. And so as this is ongoing, imagine outside of the gates, outside of the doors in this case. 
Again, just imagine a house. And there are these four men, and they have brought this paralytic man to be where Jesus, the healer, the Messiah, is. They want to bring him to the Messiah. And so, just imagine, again, these are real circumstances with real individuals. They get word that Jesus is in this house in Capernaum. He has come back to this area. Well, let's go get John, the paralytic. Let's take him to Jesus. We've heard of what this man does. We've heard his teachings. Maybe we've seen him perform miracles already. Maybe they had firsthand experience. Maybe they had heard stories. And so, these men, these four men, get the paralytic on his bed, y'all, on his pallet, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. And they bring him to the house. And y'all, the house is so full You can't even open it to get the man in. Okay? And so there were probably people looking in the windows. There were probably people outside. There were probably others trying to get in and saying, y'all, don't don't even bother. You can't get in there. Y'all, Yeshua Messiah is in there. He's in town. He's teaching the word. I just heard him say something. He was reading the the text of Isaiah the prophet. He was just talking about Moses. Oh yeah, I wonder if he's going to talk about Abraham. Right? And so, just for the sake of this fitting what we're talking about, they had to come up with a plan. These men had to formulate something and prepare something that would respond to the circumstances that they found themselves in. They could have easily and rightly so just said, John, I'm sorry, brother. There's no way you're getting in there. The house is packed. There's a hundred people out here that want to get in. They were here before us. There's no way you're getting in. I'm so sorry. I'm just sorry, brother. There's no way in. There's no room for us. No. They prepared something. They made a plan. In light of the circumstances they discovered, in light of the limitations of the, of the things that would seemingly prohibit them from accomplishing their purpose... They prepared something, a plan of what? Of doing whatever they needed to do to get this man in front of the healer. What must we do to get him in front of Yeshua? So they probably talked about that. I don't know. Well, do we go around the back? Okay, well, let's go around the back. Well, there's no other entrance. Let's check the door again. 
Y'all, it's packed full. I mean, I can barely see in there, and it's wall-to-wall people. They're not coming out. This man over here is pushing on me because I'm in his way, and he's going to get in there next. If there's any opening in any room, he's going to get in there ahead of us. And I have to assume that their dialogue shifted somehow to, like, however they could make a way. We're going to do whatever we have to do to get John, and I'm making up his name, of course, to get him to Jesus. We're getting him to Jesus. And one guy says, hey, what about the roof? The roof? What are you talking about? This is, this is Jason's house, y'all. All right, like maybe they knew whose house this was in. I don't know. This is all speculative. This is just imaginative narrative about what might have been going on to insert us into this awesome text. This is Jason's house. Like, we can't go up there and tear his roof off. This is where he lives. I don't know. What do you think? Well, what do you think? What do you think? I don't know. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get him in front of the healer. Y'all, do we realize that power of, of set determination and will? We are getting John in front of the Messiah today. He's right in there. He's on the other side of those walls, brothers. The Messiah is inside that house. Let's prepare something. Let's do whatever we have to do to get John in front of the Messiah. And so somehow, some way, they get up on the roof with this paralytic man on his bed. And they tie ropes around every corner. And y'all, they cut open the roof of a house. And they lower him down before Yeshua the Messiah. Guys, do we understand that determination to do whatever it takes to get before the Messiah? Oh God, I want that kind of preparation and set determination. I will come up with a way to get in front of Yeshua Messiah. And in light of someone else, I have such faith that getting him, getting her in front of Yeshua Messiah will absolutely heal her, change her, rescue him, deliver him. I'm going to get them there. I will do whatever it takes. I will tear up a brother's house to get them before Messiah. Metaphorically speaking. And y'all think about that picture of they lower this man through the roof of a house. Imagine Jesus in the middle of teaching seeing a hole rip out in the roof above his head. 
and men lower this crippled man, this sick man. He descends in front of Yeshua. No one can stop it. No one can can avoid the situation. He's coming down from the roof. Guys, we have to understand. We have to understand sometimes what is necessary for us to get to the Messiah. We have to do something. I am so, I am so weary of the finished work. People just sitting back and believing as their rhetoric would say that Yeshua Messiah has come to serve them. Because he did come to do that. He sacrificially came. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was, even in this text specifically, he references himself as the Son of Man. Who came to what? To seek, to save, to serve, to rescue, to deliver. But y'all, we've got a real problem if we sit back with our feet propped up thinking that eternal Yahweh God sent himself wrapped up in a baby to live out a life of, of suffering unto death, to serve all of mankind, to reconcile man to himself, that now somehow we just sit back and allow the Messiah to serve us and bring everything to us because we somehow deserve it now that we're in him, y'all, we have a real problem. I would say we need to shake off our slumber and say, I've got to get to Messiah. I've got to bring others to him. And there's some roof cutting to do. There's some unorthodox procedures to do, friends. Why? We're not prepared. We walk up to a house. Let's use this metaphorically. This might be long. This part might be long. We walk up to a, let's just use this metaphorically. I feel like this is right. I feel like this is what the Spirit is saying. We walk up to, again, this is a metaphor as an example. We walk up to a situation that we'll just say is hard. We want to bring a brother or a sister, a loved one, a relative, a neighbor. What we would call a vile enemy of God. We want to bring them to the Messiah. And we come up to the house where Messiah is with that friend, with that brother. And we say, oh, house is full. Too hard, not getting in there. Can't do it. And we set them down and we walk away. Discouraged. Unwilling to give ourselves to what needs to be done. Removing the obstacles to bring that brother 
to bring that friend, to bring that son, that daughter, into the presence of the Messiah. Well, I can't make it happen. It's all the Lord. I can't make it happen. It's all Him. Y'all, this, this lie permeates Christianity today. No man comes except God draws him. Yes and amen. It's the work of the Spirit. Yes, yes, yes. But as I'm always saying, what about us? What about the purpose of mankind? What about the Christ men now, Emmanuel, on the earth? Bringing others, bringing men to Messiah. And doing whatever it takes to get in the door, to get in there. How? How do we do it? Well, we prepare. We see what's before us. We see the obstacles and we prepare a way in. We sit down and we have the will and the tenacity and the determination to know in faith that on the other side of that wall is Messiah. And I'm getting them in there. I'm getting them in. And so these men did that. They were not going to be denied getting their friend, getting this paralytic, getting just whatever, whoever he was, close friend, stranger. They were going to get him to the Messiah. And so when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the faith of the men who crawled up on the roof and did whatever they had to do to get this man dropped down into the immediate presence of Yeshua Messiah, he looked to the paralytic and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Y'all, this is one of those stories now that's like, what? So the faith of these other men brought forgiveness of sin to this other man, the paralytic man, who, as far as we know, he's just hanging out on the bed. Now, he could have, he could have easily resisted. Uh-uh, don't know. I won't do it, presumably, unless he was strapped down and forced. He presumably played a role. John, are you cool with that, brother? Are you okay with us carrying you up onto the roof and lowering you down on your bed in the, in the presence of this multitude of people while Jesus the Messiah is teaching? Are you cool with that? Well, from the text, we have to assume he said yes. Let's end that here and pick up part four. I'm at 30 minutes, y'all. We're just going to go right into part four. So like, the power of preparation. The power of preparation. Let's be a prepared people. Amen.